from Star Monsters Podcast. Been having a pretty good week so far. The Warriors won and got to celebrate in the parade, and that was just uh, insane and, and uh, amazing. But here are our sponsored posts today. This podcast is brought to you by WeFunder. If you're interested in raising a community around a funding, uh, you know, whether if you're a founder or a venture capitalist who has a portfolio of companies and is thinking about raising money from the public before they go IPO or do a liquidity event, WeFunder is a great platform where you can raise money from your customers and, you know, give them some equity and at the same time yourself the capital that comes with raising money on a public platform. So if you're interested in that, check out the episode we did with Johnny uh, Price and uh, hit us up using the link in the description to uh, get in touch and hopefully we can accelerate that process for you. The next sponsor I'd love to tell you guys about is Incued. They're the only complete investor relations CRM from deal sourcing to portfolio management. If you're in the VC space and or you're a general partner of a fund, uh, get your investor relations right and uh, sign up for Incued. Incued is your all-in-one CRM meant to streamline your many tools into one source of truth for everything from deal flow to portfolio management. Head to the link in the uh, episode description to find out more about Incued and how you use your use their product. Okay, guys, this is another amazing episode of Story Mindset's podcast. Uh, today we have Brian H. Potts. He is a partner at Perkins Qua. Also an entrepreneur, a writer, um, uh, and the founder of the Legal, Legal Mentor Network. Um, there's a couple other things in there too. I don't want to jumble out, but um, he he um, made. Did I? If I didn't say it yet, he made the legal keyboard. And what what kind of just uh, got my attention from Brian was he put this post out where he said that he got rejected from over a hundred jobs, I believe, probably two hundred jobs, if I recall, and. I think just in society today, like so many people do want a good job. And when you get like the X amount of rejections, it's, it's definitely something that is discouraging for a normal person. And, uh, you know, wanted to hear how Brian overcame that. And I'm reading now that he's one of the top 100, you know, recognized lawyers in the country. And, and uh, it's just super amazing to be, be able to bring Brian onto the podcast. So, uh, Brian, man, welcome in from uh, the, the Midwest and, and happy to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. Um, I, uh, I've, I, my wife likes to joke that I'm famous on LinkedIn <laughs> because I got rejected, um, which uh, is actually accurate, but is also uh, pretty, pretty funny. I got to ask you did you did you plan for that to happen, and was it like <laughs> a spotlight? Good. No. Uh, good <laughs> yeah, I mean, the quick story is basically uh, I was digging through my garage and I found um, a pile of rejection letters I'd had from when I was in law school from 2002. So I uh, flipped through them and I found the one from my current law firm where I'm now a partner. Uh, and so I thought it was pretty funny that I had a almost 20 year old <laughs> letter rejecting me from where I'm now a partner. So I'm kind of a ridiculous human, so I thought it would be fun to uh, frame it. It's actually, um, obviously, you can't see it on the podcast, but uh, we're looking at each other. You can see it up on my wall right there. Uh, So I have a framed rejection letter on the wall at my law firm where I'm now a partner from my law firm from 20 years ago. Uh, And so I, I brought it into my office and I was like, you know, this is pretty funny. I should just like take a picture of this and put it on LinkedIn. And that was it. And then something like 5 million people saw it. I was immediately inundated with emails asking for advice, um, podcast interviews, sure. requests, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been a bit of a wild ride. Man, that's, cr- that's crazy. But I got to ask you, like, what, why, why, you know, you're a partner now. And it's just like, what do you think it was that, you know, then people didn't even want to give you an interview because that's kind of like, Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Um, So (laughs) uh, the reason is, and I I talked to a lot of law students about this, and I know this isn't a lawyer podcast, so I won't Uh bore you with all the details. But um, the the bottom line is uh, the hardest time to get a job as a lawyer is right out of law school because 35,000 people graduate from law school every year. 
and they're all only looking for a job at the same time once when they graduate from law school. After that, a couple of years in, all 35,000 people are going to be doing different jobs, not looking for jobs at the same time. And those are sort of the people who are lawyers across the country with your same seniority. So they're sort of like the competitors, so to speak, for jobs. So when I graduated, I was at a uh, relatively low-ranked law school. So that's why no one took me seriously. And then I just kind of claw my way up to the top using a lot of tricks that I've, you know, since told a lot of law students about. Yeah, man. I think like the job market's just such a, it's a real puzzle. It's just like, it's not straightforward anymore where you could apply and they, I mean, you can, but then it's, it just seems like that's the, the odds of success for, for that, even for the, you know, the great students or the great, um, you know, candidates, it just seems like there's a big, big hill to climb that way. Um, do you, do yeah. You, yeah. Do you find that, that that's like, a problem like is there a way to actually solve that where, where people don't feel like shit after like, <laughs> like probably two months yeah ago. i mean i i've uh, uh so i i've been since that letter went out on linkedin which was at the beginning of covid um i've literally met with three or four hundred people one-on-one to give them some advice about how to get a job because i can't say no when people ask for help, it's, just, it's an, it's a problem, but, uh, it's a good one to have, I guess. And, um, so I, I mean the, 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 i it's, it's interesting cause this is a startup podcast, I think. And so, yeah. uh, I've actually been giving people a lot of advice on how to get a job based on similar sort of tricks and tips on how to raise money for a startup. It's a very similar sort of yeah, process. Yeah, right. That, that's interesting. I used to uh, be a venture capital analyst and, and people would pitch me for funding. And, you know, I just kind of look at that um, kind of experience, like somebody who wants funding versus somebody who wants a job, which is almost the same thing in terms of getting capital from somebody. Um, yeah. It's like I tell people, I mean, first of all, when you ask me, how do you raise money? It's like dating. You have to meet a bunch of times and, and build a relationship with somebody. <laughs> and you don't just meet somebody for the first time and say, you know, will you write a check for my company? Um, right. Instead, the way I've, I've done it successfully is asking for advice and getting a lot of advice from as many investors as possible. And then you build a relationship, you take their advice, you, you know, over time, they start to trust you and realize that you're actually going to do the things you say you were going to do. And it's sort of the same process that I recommend with a lot of law students is like reach out. Cold is fine. It's fine sure, to sure, spam sure. people. I have a title of, I ended up writing a book about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the titles <laughs> of one of the chapters is spam, 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 because like it gets bad connotation. But when you're looking for a job, there's nothing more important in your life. And emailing a bunch of random lawyers and say, can you give me some advice you know, I'm really interested in looking at going to Miami and practicing entertainment law. <laughs> you tell me what firms are good at entertainment law. Like, again, I just make that up. But the point is, then you get on a phone call and you start getting advice from people and you learn a lot about the market and the area. And something like 70 to 85% of all jobs come from people you know or have met. So if you're not meeting lawyers, sure. or if you're a startup, if you're not meeting investors, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah, I, you know, I'd love to just, I guess, hear about you and your book. Like, um, you know, you're a lawyer, right? And like, you happen to write a book. Uh, it seems like that's a whole different beast in itself. Um, I'm actually writing one too. Uh, did you, um, how did you write the book? Did you like get people to help you out or like? Uh, it's, it's <laughs> so I was on probably 150 of the three or 400 meetings that I told you about that I've done with these lawsuits yeah. and young lawyers. And my yeah. wife, came up to me afterwards and was like, you know, you say a lot of the same stuff over and over. You really should just write it down in a book. And I was like, great, just what I need, another project. Um, But she was right. And so I spent the next six months, six, it took me about nine months, honestly, from start to finish. And I churned out a book about how to get a job as a lawyer. And um, I'm really satisfied with it. Like I, I didn't write the book to make money. Um, the numbers don't add up when you're a lawyer and you bill by the hour, writing a book is not the most profitable endeavor. (laughs) Um, however, 
uh, I feel like I did a really, like it was a nice thing to do for, for young lawyers. And so I spent a ton of time, probably took me a thousand hours, I guess. Did, did to you, write yeah. up hundred and it's in and it's only 140 pages or something, but it's super dense with a lot of information. And I wrote it in a way. My wife says it sounds like I'm talking, which I think is kind <laughs> okay. of a good thing. So like I cuss, I make oh, nice. bad jokes, <laughs> you know, like I try to keep your attention because it's a boring topic. Yeah, did, did, did like how did you? I guess like you know you know with people who have like these. Um, I guess just entrepreneurial endeavors, right? Where they want to, you know, either write a book or make a, make, you know, create a startup or, or like sell t-shirts, right? Like um, what did you, I have to ask you, like, did, did you like think of uh, turning, turning back on that idea? Just since like in theory it's fun, right? But painful. No, it was painful. Yeah. It wasn't fun. <laughs> honestly, like it started out being a fun project and then it was like, Oh God, what have I done? Um, but, uh, it's, it, so actually it started when it, when I first started, I got reached some, a company reached out to me randomly on LinkedIn and offered to write it for me. Oh, okay. Um, so there are companies out there that you can pay to write it for you. I didn't think I a, didn't want to do that because I didn't think it would work as effectively in what I'm doing because I was writing about how to get a job as a lawyer. Um, so I didn't take them up on that, but I did have a publisher who helped with a lot of the mundane stuff. Hmm. Um, and so that was super helpful. Like the, get a website, how do you design the back yeah, cover sure. <laughs> and the front cover and like all the stuff it's kind of, you know, it's similar yeah. to startup world where you get in and you're doing a company and like, you just kind of have to figure it out, um, and what you need and what you got to do. And so that's what I did. It, it's, I mean, you can self publish on Amazon now pretty is, easily. Is that, is that you did? Oh, you no, no, I got a publisher. I mean, the reason I got a publisher was because they get you syndicated into all the bookstores. No way. Um, in addition to Amazon. So it's on, you know, you can buy it on Barnes and Noble or Walmart or wherever. Um, it's all, uh, so that was the main benefit of doing it that way. Um, but at the end of the day, writing a book is a, you know, it's, you can't, it doesn't just appear. It's a lot of work. <laughs> what, what was that moment like, I guess, when you held the book your first time? Or, um, you it's pretty cool. I, I was actually like... Signed somebody's book or something. Like yeah, that. I well, I still think that's weird. Uh, <laughs> but I'd do it if people ask me. Um, I think uh, it was really cool when I first saw it in print. I will say it was cooler than I thought it was going to be. I was uh -huh. kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to write this book because... Honestly, maybe I don't have to meet with 400 law students. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they could just read my book. You, you ever some thought of about them at least. Being yeah. a law professor? Or becoming uh, I did. I mean, I, when I was, a, I, I actually do teach a class at law school in, oh. at Vermont Law School in the summer. Um, but no, I like my day job at a firm, uh, in my law firm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's challenging. Writing a book is it's like, the, the thing is like, I got done with it. Uh -huh. And I was only really halfway done because then you got to edit it and edit it and edit it and read it and read it and reading a book to catch typos and stuff takes a long time. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. I'm an English major and yeah. that's like the part <laughs> I hated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, it, actually the writing part was kind of fun, you know, come up with new ideas and say ridiculous things and then edit them out. But, um, but yeah. It's it's not it, it's very similar. Honestly, all these skill sets, startups, yeah. writing a book, uh, honestly succeeding in the legal profession, it's all a lot of the same skills that you need. And and it's really just, and I'm sure you've heard people say this before, but you gotta just keep taking the next step, keep I, doing stuff. Exactly. I had a question here. Um, I'd love to like get your like um opinion on is uh people get into like entrepreneurship from like you know, different, um, they do different things before they get into it, right? Like sometimes they'll work at a tech corporation or, um, you know, they'll just go to school and, and try an experiment. Um, but you, but for you, you know, having training as, a, you know, in law school, as well as, um, you know, being a litigator and, and a lawyer for X amount of years, what, uh, what do you think that, that um training and experience gave you when you started to do like making a legal keyboard or writing a book or just uh just anything that had to do with yeah i mean it definitely gave me confidence that i can figure stuff out 
I mean, because a lot of what I do is in law is just figuring stuff out that other people either don't know how to or don't want to. Um, so, you know, there was some of that. It was a little nerve wracking because, frankly, uh, my first my first foray into entrepreneurship was the keyboard. So I for uh, those that don't know, I invented a keyboard for lawyers. Um, and what does that mean? That means I took a regular <laughs> keyboard that had a number pad and realized that uh, lawyers don't need a number pad. And this is really an accounting keyboard. Why, why do I have a number pad when I'm a lawyer? And so I said, we can just take a whole bunch of things that lawyers do all the time and put it directly on the keyboard to save them time. That was, I mean, that was my first, and I have this thought and I was like, you know, I think I can make this work. And so I just started doing the next thing. I'm, you know, because I'm a lawyer, I made yeah. people sign, I made a bunch of my friends sign NDAs, uh, which was funny in retrospect. <laughs> sure, I don't yeah. do that anymore. But, uh, and then we tried out, like, I ha happened to have a friend who was a computer engineer, hardware engineer. And so he oh, made okay. me, he made me a little dongle which if you don't know, has USBs on both sides, basically just a little computer chip. Uh, uh, right. And so we would plug in a standard keyboard into the dongle and then plug it in and it would translate the keys and we put stickers on the keys and let lawyers try it for a while. But it was, you know, it's like this kind of thing. Um, the, the, the hardest thing with the keyboard was trying to figure out how to get it made. Okay. Um, because, you know, you had to put your just, own money into that, right? Or, yeah, and so I had to get some money. Somebody. So I had to raise, yeah, so I raised a little bit of money, not a ton. It was probably 60 grand that I had oh. to come up with, which is a lot of money, but yeah, not like, kind of nice, yeah. but not like, you know, gonna bankrupt me forever. So it was kind of perfect. So I basically got a bunch of friends to throw five grand or 10 grand, and we ordered 3,000 keyboards uh, after we designed them from China. They came over on a boat. And, <laughs> and they sit in a warehouse in Nevada. And anytime somebody orders one, my phone goes to Ching. It's pretty awesome. And like when they got there, I, of course, at the time, like, again, I don't know anything about I'm a litigator. I don't know anything about keyboards. Sure. This was just like an idea um, that I followed through on. But uh, I just was like, hey, we're going to launch this keyboard. So I'm going to email some tech legal tech reporters. and I. I happened to email this guy named Bob Ambrosi, uh -huh. who is like the top legal tech writer, and he loved it. And he posted an article okay. about it the next day, and it was the most viewed article he's ever had. What? And we <laughs> sold out almost of all the keyboards like within a month just because of the crazy press we got. What, about what, uh, what, what do lawyers say about um, the keyboard? Are they like, it saves me? Yeah, they love it. I mean, they love it. It's super, it just makes it more efficient. It's basically like simple things like turn track changes on and off in Microsoft Word or add a comment or add a footnote. Oh. You can set up hotkeys, but a lot of lawyers are on network computers that wipe them out or they're frankly not very uh, good at tech and don't even know how to set up a hotkey. So I just huh. put that key right on the keyboard, you know, add turn track yeah. changes on and off, add a section symbol, add a paragraph symbol. So they, I mean, they like it. I, it, it's super easy. I had to make it without software. So you just plug it in and it works. Um, but yeah, so that was startup. Number one, isn't really now that I know enough about startups, I'm like, that isn't a real experience that most people have, uh, -huh. uh or they just like make a product, uh, send a couple of emails to reporters and then all of a sudden they sell it. <laughs> yeah. How long did that take you? Just curious. Like, a year from idea one year from idea to actually selling the product which in i've heard is really fast uh it seemed really slow for me but man the way you explained it you make me think that it happened in two weeks <laughs> yeah exactly it seemed like it should happen i was like all i gotta do is print different keys on this keyboard like right. this can't be this complicated yeah but you got to get a barcode you got to get design you got to get all kinds of approvals to make electronic products and then you got to find it you know like it just stuff sure. takes forever yeah d d um I, I guess brian one one thing i want to hear from you like you know get to or understand is like what what kept you like wanting to take the next step as, as you say just since you know the average person with you know their level of motivation they they say screw it like 
you know what i mean right like yeah i i I mean i joked it like my i got it's in my jeans i got my grandmother knits all day and and uh makes bakes cookies her freezer is full of cookies and so instead of knitting and baking all day i just do a bunch of stuff that's you know startups or work related or whatever i just like and as a hobby keep doing additional building new things so yeah um, yeah yeah, that's amazing. You know, man. Which I'm sure you probably like too. I mean, it's uh, kind of a uh-huh. trait in the startup world, I think, is people who enjoy building new things and enjoy sticking their neck out a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's, I guess, like, um, I, I kind of am from San Francisco. So you see all the startup people and like all these crazy ideas taking off here. And I don't know, I just, I just get, grew curious as to why it was getting successful and how come there's so many people who want to, you know, make content or quit their nine to five or it's, it's, it's a interesting like economy or worker economy now, um, especially. Yeah. And I, I've had the benefit of, you know, I'm a partner at a big law firm, so I have a day job with income. So uh-huh. this has all been sort of side hustles, so to speak, although I don't treat them like that. Um, yeah. I'm a, you know, I obviously follow through, but it's, uh, that takes some of the pressure off when you don't have to quit your day job and you know where your money's coming from every day. That's a lot different than working for a startup, which I've seen because people work for the startups that I've started. And it's scary because you're like month to month, are we going to get funding or in six months or whatever? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess, I I guess like it'd be cool to talk about like you as a lawyer in terms of um, what do you do for as a partner? Cause I know like, lawyers have different responsibilities at, at firms because of you know titles and what does what a partner at perkins claw do uh, exactly it's, it's cooey like fooey by cooey, the way cooey, everybody bad. always says it wrong most people say cold cooey. um cooey like fooey uh so i mean i started out doing energy and environmental work so mostly representing utilities building big power projects mm-hmm. um Now I'm sort of a, I like to joke, I'll do anything I can get somebody to hire me for. (laughs) Uh, Because that's really what being a lawyer is all about. It's your consultants. Um, It's just a service industry. So um, I've been pretty lucky because I've got a nice suite of clients that I sort of manage all their work um, and, you know, a few big cases that I work on. But overall, my work-life balance is pretty amazing at Perkins. So that allows me to do some of these other things. And actually I have, you know, because my law firm's so big, it's over a thousand lawyers and we have obviously lots of different types of law. Um, I have through doing startups and raising money, met some amazing people I never would have met who are, you know, high net worth investors who are working at VC funds who are, and all of whom also might need lawyers. So (laughs) it's actually turned out to be pretty good marketing to start my companies. And ironically, I like the joke that like more people have hired me because I invented a keyboard than have ever hired me because of any of the professional writing I've done or any of that other stuff. Yeah, what is I guess what is what is that like? Like, did you envision um, that that being a result from making the keyboard? Or not, no, not really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not at all. I didn't see that coming. I, I mean, I think it's just that like uh, lawyers get hired often by other lawyers, but also by business people, and I think business people and other lawyers both sort of think if you can start a company and be successful at it, I can trust you with my legal work. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, it wasn't intuitive to me that that would happen, but I also think it's partly just more people know, again, this is a service industry. More people know who I am because I invented the keyboard. More people are willing to meet with me because they want to hear about this crazy keyboard and all the other stuff I've done, which I should probably mention too. Um, so the sort of doing startups (laughs) has led to a lot of, um, opened a lot of doors that would have otherwise been open. Well, one thing I want to hear here or just uh, ask Brian is like, what um, exactly got you like interested in the idea of entrepreneurship? Because um, I don't know. It's, it seems like everybody has like a different reason or like, 
you know, yeah. different catalysts. Like, uh, yeah, just... mine, mine, you're going to laugh maybe, but uh, so <laughs> I spent a whole bunch of time after law school writing articles, like opinion pieces yeah. for newspapers and stuff. And I realized I'm spending all this time, I'm writing all these articles and giving my ideas away and I'm not getting anything for it other than I'm helping society, which is cool. Mm. And, you know, by putting ideas out there, et cetera, and maybe name recognition. And so around the time I invented the keyboard, I was like, I should stop writing articles and start starting companies and just, you know, use my ideas to actually both hopefully benefit the world, but also myself. Um, so that has actually led to more of the more recent projects, which are, I mean, frankly, I didn't want to be a keyboard salesman when I grew up. Sure. That, that wasn't my goal. <laughs> Still not my goal. But um, some of the newer things I'm working on are much more aligned with my sort of personal beliefs. And um, so those have been cool. Nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's a really interesting career you have. I don't think every lawyer makes the keyboard or... Yeah, I think right, I've started. I think I'm on company five now what's, uh, what's since company the keyboard. Or, uh, well, I mean, so so or... the the yeah, the story is basically I started with the keyboard. The keyboard just sort of worked, and so I was like, "Man, starting companies is great. I should do this again." So my wife and I started an app uh, called Goods Unite Us. Okay, um, which is provides the political affiliations of thousands of brands and companies so you can download it for free in the app store we've had over a half a million people download it oh that it. makes sense that, and yeah, yeah. Uh, basically you download the app and if you're going to buy shoes or going to the bank or going to buy a car you can see what the politics are of the company and its senior executives okay. in the app so we started that and the ideal was like you know basically the data is out there people should know you know, if, if you're a Republican and you're buying a bunch of products that are helping Democrats, you want to know that <laughs> vice versa. Sure. And so, um, so we've been doing that. We got a bunch of traction, but we couldn't figure out how to make money. Okay. You know, we got a bunch of users, people loved it, but we're not charging anything for the app. And so we tried ads and that kind of yeah, stuff. And, and then, yeah. And then during COVID, um, it dawned on me that we should pivot a bit into financial products and so we launched, uh, do you know what an ETF is? ETF? Yeah, yeah. It's like a stock. No, it's like a mutual fund, but it's Yeah, like exactly. So I didn't know what an ETF was two years ago. And no. now, <laughs> now I have basically invented one, um, which For is... Law, firm, law, law firms? No. They don't, they're not traded, are they? No, 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 no. For, it's called the ticker is DEMS, D-E-M-Z. And it is... Uh, an S and P index fund for Democrats. So we took what? the Democratic, we took the data we had, <laughs> okay, and we called out the S and P 500. We said, "Here's there are 500 companies in the S and P 500, uh -huh. and something like 80 percent of all people's money in the stock market is in S and P index funds, which are just funds made up of the 500 companies." Is this a real ETF that? I yes, trades on Nasdaq. Yeah, exactly. Trades on Nasdaq. It's wild. How so did you do that, man? Like, <laughs> I, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'm getting there. So anyway, we figured out that nobody had been using this data, which is verifiable political contribution data, to make a financial product. And so we basically, <laughs> I met this guy through one of our investors uh, named Jason Britton, who retired at age 36 doing uh, from Wall Street doing thematic investing it's called esg environmental social and governance oh, investing sure. and as soon as i told him about this idea we had him at like hello and he okay. was like we have to do this and so he's the guy that actually knew i didn't know what an etf was at the time he's uh -huh. the guy that actually knew how to build it and structure it and then we launched it on election day 2020 um we raised two million dollars from outside investors no none of whom none of whom we knew and now somehow I have a stock on NASDAQ with the ticker DEMS, D-E-M-Z, and it's an index fund. So basically, it, it, it's designed to track the S&P 500, just like an S&P index fund, but it's only made up of the Democratic companies in the S&P 500. So we take the 500 S&P yeah. companies. There's 120 or so that give 75% or more to Democrats. And oh, then okay. we sector weight... The, of the 120, there's only about 50 in the fund. 
and we sector weight it so it looks and feels like the S&P 500. So basically, yeah. if you're a Democrat and you don't want your re retirement to sit in an S&P index fund, which owns ExxonMobil, uh -huh. AT&T, and a bunch of Republican companies, you can buy Dems instead and get the same risk profile, but with just the Democratic portions of the S&P 500. No way. That's insane. Um, <laughs> when, when did you do that? When did this? So this all happened. Yeah. 2020 all during the pandemic, the whole thing happened from idea. We, from my first idea, we were six months later, we had a stock. It was wild. It was yeah, like a fire hose in the face <laughs> of stuff, but it's, I mean, again, this one, I think at the point of goods, Unitas, which was the app, is really that if money is going to be in politics, people should be able to know what it's doing. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with investment products. You know, you're, most people have mo more money in investment products than they spend in a year. On And so, like, if you own a bunch of Republican stocks, but you're a Democrat, you should know that and you should have sure. alternatives and vice versa. Honestly, We're, we try to be nonpartisan, but our only product so far has been Dems. What, was that was that like hard for you to do or like the, uh, yeah, the uh, you know executing this idea it seems like there needs to be like I, actually I don't it's a lot know. of pro it's a lot of project management uh, there were a lot i mean this one actually helped me because there's a lot of lawyer stuff sure. involved as you can imagine to launch a stock on nasdaq the sec there's a lot of rules and so um so honestly most of it was project managing like you uh -huh. know the the make sure the lawyers are crossing their t's and dotting their i's make sure you know the website and the branding and all the advertising stuff is lined up the all you know that kind of stuff so um would you make uh would you make the republican version of dems and call it revs reps reds reds r-e-d-z <laughs> yeah so there <laughs> actually are uh we've talked about it and it's possible there are two other etfs that are republican supposedly um oh, okay they're not they're not they're they're republican in name only they're not uh there's no regulation of this space so one of them it basically has 400 of the 500 s p 500 and they call themselves conservative uh -huh. but they have seven of the top 10 same holdings that dems has so basically they are Republican in name only. In other words, they don't care. They don't even look at the contribution data of companies. They just pick which ones are in the news and drop the ones they think are too woke. Sure, sure. Which so, idea? Which idea did you uh, get out there first? The um, the, the, the the goods the app. app. Yeah, then... the goods Unitas app, which is still available and still kicking it. And now we have a new plan uh, that we're out raising money. To, by we um, is, is you and your wife or is it like you yeah and me, me and my wife and the board and the investors and you know there's a lot of people involved now oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually out um raising money to uh turn the goods unite us app it will basically give it more functionality so it would have be have you uh put it on WeFunder or something like that not yet i mean we've we're raising money from like vcs and oh no way. and and trying to you know, we're basically looking for a partner who knows the fintech space really well so that we can, you know, uh, get some of their, um, uh -huh. you know, some of the synergies there. No, so. wait, that's, that's crazy. It's like you have like seven jobs. I know, right? <laughs> that's what I was. <laughs> but where, like, do you get the, where do you get the energy? Like, do you drink a bunch of coffee? Like, I drink a lot of coffee, um, but I <laughs> sleep like nine hours a night. I'm just super efficient when I'm awake. So oh, okay. like I'm super focused and I just like doing things. And honestly, um, I mean, the ones where we've taken in money are the, mo are the ones that stress me out because it's other people's money sure. and I want it to work. Right. That's the ones, the keyboard is sort of like, <laughs> uh, uh, awesome, but the people who have put money in, um, can get paid back anytime. So there's no real stress. It's just to like, keep building it. But when you take in money and you need to make more money than you take in, that's uh, stressful, you know, because I don't want sure. any of our investors to lose out. So I, that that is where most of my non-Perkins Cooey focus goes is how to make dams work, how to make the goods app work and how to raise this money. Yeah, I got to ask you, like, how do you, I guess, ensure that things are heading in the right direction when uh, it seems like, you know, you might have 
I mean, I mean, as an entrepreneur, right? Like people have, uh, what do you call it? As much as it's control they want to have, right? But yeah, it's, I, I mean, one thing somebody told me a long time ago, and I didn't really understand at the time, but I do now, it's, it's a roller coaster. Like <laughs> today, there's some really good stuff going on with, with Dems and Goods. And I'm like, this is great. We're going to kill it. And then, you know, a week oh, ago, yeah, something yeah. happens and you're like, shit, this isn't going to work. So it's like a never, it seems like you're on this never ending roller coaster yeah. <laughs> and it takes, it takes longer than you think. Like, you know, everybody thinks you make a company and then it just blows up and you're rich and that's not how life works. Not at yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a lot of work. You just got to keep at it and not give up and keep making the decision that's in front of you. I guess I guess what you're saying. Um, one thing, Brian, I want to ask you too is, uh, you know, what what kind of inspired you to become a lawyer? Because, you know, like growing up, people are told be a doctor, be a lawyer, um, uh, but when they try it out, it doesn't always go that way. Or you know, like really, it's a really hard job to do. So kudos to you, and it's a really hard job to you know even get um, approved to do from like getting a pass in the board. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, uh, gateways, so to speak, or, you know, things, (laughs) hurdles you got to jump over. Um, (laughs) yeah, I would like to say that like, I grew up wanting to be a lawyer, but that's not the case. I went to college. I partied too much my first two years. I didn't get that good of grades until my junior and senior year. I wasn't particularly great at anything in college. Like I was an econ major and I was above average at it. I was pretty good at it, but I wasn't like, you know, going to go get a PhD in economics. Um, so it was kind of a default. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor because I didn't want to uh-huh. be in a hospital all day or yeah, me dealing, <laughs> dealing with dealing with gross stuff. So, uh, so it was kind of a default and it was back in 2001 when they were handing out jobs like hotcakes. So it didn't even dawn on me that I would get <laughs> okay. a job. It was more just like, Oh, well, I don't really want to work. So I may as well go to law school. That's pretty <laughs> much how my 22 year old brain worked, uh, or whatever at the time, 23. So, uh, it turned out well, it turned out I was pretty good at the law. Um, and you know, I'm a late bloomer, um, in that it took me a while to f- figure out oh i actually should put in some work and sure sure start, you know trying to find something i like doing gotcha hey brian i, I guess i forgot zoom's like a 40 minute time do you think we could just um log out and log back in is that good sure yeah that's fine all right yeah same link so i'll just click okay i'll just pick pick it up if yeah no problem just yeah yeah so uh i guess you were just uh I, i'll restart so um you were talking about how you wanted to be a lawyer and you just went to law school and you know that's kind of you you know your your decision um yeah it like, wasn't that did, complicated <laughs> did anybody push <laughs> you to do that or did you have no any- i didn't have any lawyers in my family um uh, other than, I guess my step grandfather was a lawyer, but, um, no one in like my direct family, it, it literally was a, a buddy of mine went to Vermont law school where I went, uh, and he was a year ahead of me and I went and visited him and I was like, this place is cool. Vermont, was- <laughs> Vermont, like, like, uh, by New Hampshire, that Vermont. Yeah. Vermont. And it's not uh, the Vermont law school is like a private separate law schools from like UVM, which is in Burlington. So uh-huh. it's one of the only law schools that is uh, not in a city. So it's in this like little rural town in Vermont. You can hike up a mountain from campus. There's a like white river that runs through it. You can fish in. It's super outdoorsy. And I was like, this seems great. Why wouldn't I go here for three years? They'll give me loans. And so yeah. That's yeah. what I did. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't have any loans, or you didn't have. No, to- I had a lot of loans. Yeah, my sure. parents didn't pay, uh, so we just borrowed a bunch of. You know, they loan you money. Um, I ended up owing probably three hundred grand at the end of the whole thing. And you, I'm guessing, all your I have paid not- it up. Yeah, I've paid it off. It takes. I haven't paid them all off though. <laughs> They're still going. <laughs> Man, somebody, somebody's like hammering wood outside, unfortunately. Um, um, that's me, all right. They just want to get in and join the podcast. 
That's exactly it, man. Um, we should sue them. <laughs> I think when people want to make a big decision like that and get into debt, right? Like, um, it's it seems like it's a thing that they choose not to do because there's going to be like a windfall of loans or whatever. Like, what advice? Yeah, there's a whole thing? bunch of press and people debating whether you should go to law school or not. I'm uh, I'm in the camp that anything for your brain is better for your life. Uh, uh-huh. And so getting three years of education, even if you get a bunch of debt is always going to be worth it. In my view, sure. there's uh, I seriously doubt there are very many 60 and 70 year old people who went to law school who think that they shouldn't have because of their loans. Um, so, and I like to joke, they can't foreclose on your brain or put you in jail <laughs> for not paying law school loans. So the worst thing that's going to happen is, uh, you know, they're going to make you pay a little bit every month out of your paycheck, but they can't take back everything you learned. Um, and I would be willing to wager over your entire life, you're going to make more money if you have a law degree and more, and, and it will, the ROI will be worth it. <laughs> nice. I guess, Brian, one, one or a couple more things I'd love to just get into and dive into um, with your career journey is what, what uh, you know, when you, you were talking about earlier getting rejected 200 times and back in the day, like when was that moment or what was that moment exactly that uh, I'd say or that, that you would say that that turned around? It wasn't like one moment all of a sudden I'm, you know, marketable. Uh, it was long struggle. I'll say like I was um, pissed isn't the right word. Surprised, kind of disenfranchised or dis, dis um, you know, dissatisfied. <laughs> and I got all the rejection letters, which is probably why I kept them. But um, the, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't think there was a moment when like the light switched on and all of a sudden the big firms were like, oh, pots yeah. we gotta have that guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh it was sort of a slow you know i worked at one firm and i did well and then i went and got a, another degree and then i came back and worked at another firm and i did well and then i finally got recruited to a big law firm and then i was still an associate so i had to pull my way up to partner you know so like it's a long process yeah. and, th- and that's what i tell a lot of law students they don't understand that they don't need their dream job right outside, right when they graduate from law school, they need their dream job, you know, three to five years after they graduate from law school, that's the time period which you're most marketable. And so a lot of it is just like putting stuff on your resume and working hard to get your resume as good as you can in that window of three to five years after law school, so that you can go get the job you want when, you know, you're most marketable for it. Gotcha. Did did so? I guess you said just to I guess refresh and like sum it up. You you um you went ahead and got another degree, and you kind of just just like a yeah, master's in law. It's like a one year program, mostly because I wanted to go live out in your neck of the woods in Berkeley. (laughs) So I was in Berkeley for a year, and I was like, again, was like we were at a I was at a firm in Kentucky, and I kind of we had decided my wife now and I that we didn't want to live in Kentucky anymore so I applied to a couple master's programs and I got into one at Berkeley that was a year and I was like wait I can go back to school for a year and not work this is going to be great (laughs) and so we went and hung out in San Fran area for a year uh and then came back to Madison Wisconsin which is where my wife is from oh no and and again even after that I was still not able to break into the big law firms um, I work for a mid-sized law firm here for another year. And then in that three to five year after law school window, I got called by one of the, you know, the biggest firm in town at the time, Foley and Lardner. Oh, and yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. They hired me as an associate and then I made partner there and then I lateraled over to Perkins Coie five years ago. So it, it's, you know, a lot of movement to get here, but, um, that's sort of the point is like uh-huh. a lot of people think if they can't get the job in law school, they're never going to get it. And that is completely wrong. And you'd say it's wrong because you proved it right. Or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wrong. Cause I've seen it a lot. It's not just me. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, your career is a long career. So 
I mean, think <laughs> about it. When you get out of college, your first job is not likely to be your last job. And it's the same is true in law school. So you just kind of got to think of it as each thing is a stepping stone in your career to get where you want to go. And then hopefully at some point you step into a job that you actually want or like. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, did you have one, one more thing here? Did you ever like think of, you know, lawyers, they, they just, you know, do a pro bono practice, right. Or they can create their own law firm sometimes. Do you ever think of doing that or you? Yeah. I, I mean, I've definitely thought about it. It's, um, I, the, there's a trade-off. So when you start your own firm, you basically, uh, can only sell sort of services of yourself and other people working at your firm. So there's a benefit to being at a big firm because there's a thousand lawyers here and I can sell any of those lawyers and I get a benefit because if I bring in work, I'll get paid some more, even if I don't do it. So (laughs) there's a trade-off, right? I mean, it's hard to know what the right thing to do is. But um, so far, I've found that being at Perkins, I can bring in more work than I would be able to ever be able to at my own firm. Um, Because if you start your own firm, you got to have people to do the work. And of course, I have some people that I could get, but you're not going to get work out of Boston or DC or LA if I'm a, you know, have a shop set up in Madison. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. I mean, just, I guess just seeing you be an entrepreneur outside of the work and thinking about, thinking about that. Just, yeah. Just I mean, curious. of course I've thought about it. I've, <laughs> I've started a bunch of companies. I could start a law firm if I wanted, but, um, but yeah, the ec- the sort of economics and incentives are uh, big firms make a lot of sense as a partner because you can, like I said, you can bring in work anywhere in the firm. Um, and so it's a much bigger, better platform. Gotcha. Yeah, man, this has been a really cool conversation. Just, uh, we normally talk to, like startup CEOs and it seems it's kind of refreshing, you know, just to hear, uh, somebody who does something cool. And I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you one of the biggest issues that we face raising money is that I'm not a full-time CEO as the okay. founder, a lot of VCs. I mean, you put on your VC hat uh, yeah. from before, but a lot of sort of investors have a rule that they don't invest in quote unquote side projects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, there has been some of that. I will say the investors who have worked with me long enough and frankly, most people at this point sort of know that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do and that I can handle it. Uh, But it is, uh, that is one of the bigger hangups. So there's benefits and costs. Um, I, you know, Sure. Will I, would I quit, you know, but I'm not going to quit my day job at Perkins to, <laughs> you know, take a huge pay cut and work for a company that doesn't have enough funding. <laughs> so yeah. it's a, it's a, that's an interesting problem to deal with, but um, so far it's worked out okay because once investors come in and have worked with me, none of them have that concern <laughs> anymore. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah. I mean, we're coming to the end of the podcast. just want to ask you, the, the 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 typical things we ask people at the end um so i guess like this question is uh a question that you would uh, i guess here's a question so um if you were to give advice to brian the 20 year old at um i guess in in undergrad uh what would you tell yourself in terms of careers and life and, yeah. yeah drink less my freshman year and get better grades <laughs> And that, uh, that would have changed all the success you already had. Like that's not, true. You know I mean, I, mean? <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I mean, I do think it made it harder for me. It definitely made it harder for me having a lower GPA in college. If you're interested in going to law school, good or bad, the the where you go to law school, literally the name <laughs> of the law school sure. matters more than almost anything else. And so if you don't have really good grades in college, you can't get into a really good law school and then you start behind because, um, so that is part of the reason I had to do so much work to get where I am is because I partied too much my freshman and sophomore year of college, had a great time. (laughs) I'm not sure I wouldn't do it again, (laughs) but, uh, 
if, if, you know, you're on the fence, if you're a freshman or sophomore and you're on the fence about whether going to, you want to go to the party or do the work, um, you know, where did you, you go for undergrad again? In, uh, I went to a small school, liberal arts school in Kentucky called Center College. C-E-N-T-R-E. You're from Kentucky yeah, originally? I'm from Kentucky originally, yeah. No way. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah they're, 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 I, I've never been there, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool place. Louisville, Louisville's where I'm from, and it's, a, it's, it's actually gotten even a lot more fun since I left. It's kind of like Nashville, like good music scene. Nice. Um, you know, college sports. I'm a big Louisville basketball fan. So. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, quick, one more. Do uh, one random thing. Just do you watch a Better Call Saul by any chance? I've watched Better Call Saul. I also a big fan of Justified, which takes place in Kentucky. If you haven't seen that, you should watch it. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give that a. Good... Yeah, Better Call. Are you uh, caught up to date on all those episodes? <laughs> <laughs> Not all the Better Call Saul. I haven't watched the most recent season. That was crazy, man. It's 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 halfway done. I'm. I'm... Uh, yeah pretty blown yeah away well don't spoil doing. it don't spoil say it for everybody absolutely not, absolutely <laughs> not. uh the last one here brian is um if you were to i guess like tell people what your startup mindset is um when it comes to, like these side projects or even like the future plans you have like what would you say your startup mindset is keep doing stuff and don't let the you know bad isn't the right word but don't let the barriers and the never ending sort of headwinds affect you just keep doing stuff keep building keep building that's how companies get built um and you know one day you're gonna be like feeling like you're a complete failure and an idiot and then the next day you're like (laughs) this is amazing so that is totally normal um but really it's not the idea it's the execution Gotcha. I love it. Um, and you know, last part here in the podcast has been amazing having you here, man. Uh, you know what, uh, I guess how, how can people, you know, learn more about you and buy the keyboard or buy the book? Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Dems um, or whatever it yeah, is Dems, got, so. DMC is on NASDAQ. Anybody can buy it, uh, through any trading platform. Uh, my keyboard, I'm the only legal keyboard. So if you Google legal keyboard or lawyer keyboard or go to Amazon, they're on there. You can get them. Um, the app is free. Goods unite us. You can download oh, my I... books. My books available on Amazon. So that's sort of the the and and oh yeah, I shouldn't forget. And if you want to hire an amazing lawyer, you just <laughs> email me, <laughs> and I'll you take got, care you of you. Um, I do also like. I don't think I've ever turned away somebody who emails and wants advice that's on awesome. honestly anything. So. If any of your listeners, you know, want advice if they're in a startup or if they're not in a startup or they want to go to law school or they've are in law school, happy to chat with them. They just got to send me an email. Sweet. Yeah. And your emails, I guess. Yeah. Bpots at, at perkinscooey.com. You can just Google my name and the law firm make sure that you see my <laughs> <Sure>. email <laughs> as much as possible. Man, Brian, thank you so much, man. This has been amazing. And, and I know you're a busy guy with all that you got to do. So thank you so much again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Nice. That does it for another episode of Start Minds' podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys want to be on our newsletter and stay up to date with all that we do at the podcast, drop your email. Um, either, yeah, you know, you can go to our website, uh, startminds.com, and you can drop your email there, or you can just uh, send us a message on Instagram um, at startminds.pod. That way, we, you know, we're going to be breaking down all the things that we talk about on this podcast just in you know, written forum instead of just audio forum and sometimes video. But yeah, I mean, get that shipped to your inbox and, you know, daily dose of motivation and um, knowledge at the same time. So peace. I'm out.